Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. On this episode, we'll be discussing Lord of the Rings through the theme of death. So before we get started, we thought we'd talk a little bit about our experiences with death, particularly in death and media, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're watching a TV show or a movie or something like that, how, how do you react to the deaths that you see on screen? I'm not a big crier in general in mm-hmm. life, but definitely not when I'm watching movies or TV shows. I can probably count on one hand how many times I've actually cried in something like that. Mm. So if something's really powerful, then maybe I'll slightly tear up a little bit, but usually not a ton. But I wouldn't say that I'm not affected by their deaths. Mm particularly if it's a beloved character, particularly if that character died in an unexpected way, Mm. something that I wasn't prepared for, something that was shocking. Yeah, and Hunger Games has been the only time where I've been very affected by one one death, yeah. Yeah, I I get that. Yeah. Um, What about you? I am very different in that i am absolutely a crier <laughs> yes uh, I, I will cry at many many things funnily enough i don't cry at books very often when i'm reading a book mm. it's, it's very difficult for me to it's very rare for me to cry but tv and movies oh man i'm i'm palm in the producer's hands because yes. i will cry exactly when they want Putty? me to cry what did I say? You said palm. I'm palm. Your palm in your palm. palm in their hands. I'm I'm putty in their palms. Yes. Is. I'm putty in their hands. Yes. Um, <laughs> because like for me, not only is it the death that can get me, but really it's the reactions to the death. Mm-hmm. Seeing the loved ones of the person who's died reacting to that is really hard for me, especially when it has to do with family. <laughs> I um, was just thinking of you in Big Hero 6. Yeah, Big Hero 6 will get me. Funnily enough, also animated features will get me really bad. <laughs> Big Hero 6, Coco absolutely had me crying. I um, know, I looked over, I was like, or I heard sniffling, and I was like, what's oh going yeah, that on? Movie. I, guess, um, I guess Chris is just bawling <laughs> in the theater. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's, it's not that I'm not affected, I just don't react that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and generally, I think, I think it really is because because of the the despair of those loved ones. Mm-hmm. Because like I'll watch Wally, which I've seen uh, many times, and spoiler alert, Wally like gets um, <laughs> rebooted at the end, and he comes back at first without his personality, right? Just like a you know straight off the manufacturing line Wally, and Eve is like so sad because. <laughs> You know, Wally is basically dead, even though his body is alive, like his personality is not there. And sh- and I know that he's going to come back, that he's going to be <laughs> all right. And still watching her, I will absolutely cry every time. Uh, I also just love that movie. I barely but... remembered that part. Oh, no, that part <laughs> is one of the reasons that movie is so emotional for me. Uh, oh, you and robots. Yes, me, for sure, me and robots. See, I think for me, it has to do if... A character died in a way that was willing. Like if mm. they if they just went to sacrifice themselves and they died in a way that they were at peace with. It's it's not necessarily the same for me, but mm. it's when a character dies who never was happy or was never able to be happy or mm. was able to be happy for only such a short amount of time, and then it was just gone. 
that that gets me a lot more. It's just much more tragic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I could see that. Well, let's talk a bit about Lord of the Rings. Um, yes. We'll start off with a quote from The Two Towers, um, book four of The Lord of the Rings, The Choices of Master Samwise, where um, Sam discovers that he he believes that Frodo is dead um, from She Loves Stink. Frodo, Mr. Frodo, he called. Don't leave me here alone. It's your Sam calling. Don't go where I can't follow. Wake up, Mr. Frodo. Talking about that idea of the despair of the survivors, like, mm-hmm. um, it's one of the reasons why I think uh, the here the movies did very, very well in the relationship between Frodo and Sam, because mm-hmm. Sam's, like, despair at this moment is so powerful. And I think it's powerful yeah. in the book, too, but... Um, yeah, that, that, that reaction to death, I think, is can be so strong. And that, that hopeful denial of it, you know, that mm-hmm. wake up, wake up. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and I think just that line of don't go where I can't follow is just so, yeah, it's, it's tragic. I mean, and, and that's the thing about death, right? As far as we know, the most tragic part is for everybody left. Mm-hmm who are dealing with it and yeah i think i think that's that line perfectly captures that that feeling of somebody that you were closest to yeah especially for sam you know yeah don't go where i can't follow you know because that's that's all he wants is to follow frodo and to help Mm -hmm. him wherever he goes and this is a place that he can't help him anymore and that's just crushing Mm mm-hmm yeah luckily he's not dead that's true yeah hooray (laughs) (laughs) So, do you have a character for me? I do. I actually have nine characters for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, that would be the nine Nazgul, the oh, ring race. Oh, cool. It might have been a different nine than you were expecting. Well, I was going to be like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about the deaths of all of the Fellowship. You're um, going into some serious <laughs> appendices. Exactly. No, no, no. Uh, I'd like to talk about the Nazgul, the, the ring race, because I think they're such an interesting look at... Um, the crusade of men in Tolkien's Middle Earth mm-hmm. against death, leading to a living death. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in in the appendices and in in a lot of his supplemental writings, the Silmarillion and things. You know, Tolkien talks about how men have um, coveted the immortality or the perceived immortality of the elves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't understood this basically the gift of death that they are given that no other race on on middle earth is given um mm-hmm. and said that yeah they, they are they want immortality and so in seeking that power and that immortality there's these nine kings these nine men who accept these rings as a way to kind of stake that off and they essentially become immortal in certain ways you know mm-hmm. they're very very difficult to kill they're you know, taken out by a flood, they come back, and, and really, it takes quite a bit for uh, the Witch King to fin- eventually be taken down. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, with that, can you consider them alive? Yeah. You know? So perhaps they're deathless, but they're also not living in a they're lot of They're lifeless ways. and exactly. deathless. Um, mm-hmm. they, they don't have agency. You know, they're entirely at Sauron's beck and call and, and do his bidding. Um, and they've betrayed their own people, you know? They are now um, fighting against the peoples of 
mankind or humankind in Middle Earth and 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 all the other free peoples of Middle Earth. Um, but I, I think that that's a very interesting concept when you look at the culture of men in Middle Earth because we see the lo- most long-lived person character who's who's a human being Aragorn mm-hmm. who still has the blood of Numenor and so he's a long-lived person, but he does not fear death. He does not run from death. And when he naturally mm-hmm. dies at the end of his life, he he accepts it graciously, you know? Mm-hmm. He is someone who doesn't resist, or doesn't try his best to escape that death in the way that the, the, the ring race did. Um, and I think that's one of the evidences of why he is considered such a great man, you know, a, a, a capital G great person in um, in Middle-earth. Mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting because I never really thought about the Nazgul that much. Mm-hmm. They're just there, and you know that they're somehow semi-sustained because of the rings and and whatnot. But thinking about it now, it's like, well, that didn't happen to the dwarves, right? Mm-hmm. Who had their seven rings, and I wonder. I would assume it probably wouldn't happen to Galadriel or Gandalf or, or whoever else well, has. And their rings weren't corrupted by Sauron the way the the human and, and... But was it that they were very particularly corrupted or was it that the men themselves were corruptible and No, is that I think it's probably both arguably, okay. but the rings themselves are corrupted because Celebrimbor who created the rings as an elven mm. smith he had sauron basically sauron basically corrupted those rings in their forging and mm. he wasn't able to corrupt the rings of the three the the elven rings what about the dwarven ones the dwarven ones were corrupted okay. and that's why um most of those led to um like such intense greed mm-hmm. um you know the dragon sickness that they talk about in the hobbit is similar yeah. to the greed that was given by by these rings that were created by the the dwarven um the or created for the dwarven kings yeah because that's interesting because there aren't dwarf wraiths mm-hmm. and so i wonder if it has something to do with them and just their intense desire for power in a way that kept them semi alive Mm -hmm. because you look at the the dead the dead army Mm -hmm. right and they wanted to have their oath fulfilled so that they could pass on Mm -hmm. so that they wouldn't be in this kind of wraith-like um state so it's just so interesting that that the the kings who became the ring race weren't weren't like that, mm-hmm. and they would rather be here in that state. Yeah, yeah, hmm. interesting. Well, what about you? Uh, do you have a plot? I do. So my plot is gonna come mainly from the movie. Okay. And I I just was thinking about deaths in the movie or deaths in the series in general and what always sticks out to me in the movies in general is how to me beautiful the scene is after they think Gandalf dies Mm. in Moria and they all obviously run out of the mines and everybody reacts a bit differently to the perceived death and, and I think that's 
it was yeah it was just done so well you have Pippin who's like crying on the lap of Mary and Mm -hmm. so you have Mary sobbing too but you, you still have that relational difference of Mary still kind of trying to take care of Pippin even though they're both distraught and Sam is sobbing but just on his own and Aragorn was just so disoriented when it first happened that Boromir has to yell to them and be like like Aragorn like we have to go oh and then like Legolas just has this forlorn look on his face but doesn't show too much emotion and then Mm -hmm. it'll pan over oh and then obviously Gimli is like trying to get back in there Mm -hmm. and Boromir is really like holding it together he's holding the whole group together and then it just pans over to Frodo and Frodo isn't sobbing or anything he's just going off on his own and he just looks back and he has one tear that like comes down his face but with just the most sad face expression ever Mm -hmm. and so I just thought that that was it's such a short scene but it was so beautifully done showing how different people process grief from death and yeah I thought I thought it really enriched it in in the book once they get out of the mines it does mention that they you know, they started breaking down, mm-hmm. weeping, and some were like standing there and mostly silent, and others were just like, you know, on the ground. But it didn't give that same kind of individuality to their reactions, which I really appreciated. Yeah, agreed. Um, and, and I love Frodo's uh, reaction as you're talking about him kind of wandering off because, like, to me, it is showing that he's lost. You know, Mm -hmm. he is going off in no particular direction with no real goal in mind, really, other than just moving because Gandalf was his direction. You know, Mm -hmm. he was so much of what he relied on for that. And and that changed everything. And I think that in that moment, Frodo is so lost because he doesn't know how to even conceive of what to do without Gandalf. Because would he ever have agreed to go mm-hmm. if he thought that Gandalf wouldn't have been there? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think he would. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And and he had such a long-standing relationship with Gandalf as well. Mm-hmm. And everything surrounding Gandalf's death is so interesting because once they get to Lothlorien the elves are distraught over mm-hmm. it too and and they make up songs and poetry about it which i think is really cool too that we get to see a bit of how maybe different races mourn or grieve mm-hmm. and part of them is is putting it into song mm, another another form of processing <laughs> i expect you to write a song about me i expect you not to die don't do that (laughs) and do you have a ring of power (laughs) i'll get one i'll make one oh oh, great call up (laughs) kelbrimbor make that happen speed dial exactly (laughs) (laughs) um well i guess we can go into our compelling questions sure what do you have for me so what do you make of the countless deaths of orcs in uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, a lot of them die. That's true. A whole bunch. <laughs> a whole bunch. It's so interesting because I think in the movie, 
which we could get into more mm-hmm. if if we deal with the the topic of personhood in the future with Lord of the Rings. But in the movies, they are seen as these just almost like a pure evil creature. Whereas in the book, there's more nuance than that. And so in the movies, it it doesn't seem like a big deal Mm -hmm. because it's like, oh, well, there's just these evil creatures that are going to do evil and that's all they're going to do. And they seem like they're actually created for it you know like they don't look like they're born and they Mm -hmm. don't really have that at all in the books but in the movies Mm -hmm. we see them coming like almost being grown in these pits in in uh near orthanx so yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's very interesting yeah and so just like you'd be like oh well that warg just got shot oh well but obviously they do have sentience Mm -hmm. and they do they are making choices and they do have wants even if those wants are often evil so, yeah, I think that just like any any war, I think loss of life is a loss. It's a sad thing. It's a tragic thing. And it makes it different if there is no option for any orc to ever choose to be different. And I think it would be great if we saw one at least choose mm-hmm. to be different yeah because i i think that would that would make the difference whether it's like well what do you what are you gonna do they cannot or never would change versus they could and then you're killing creatures that that could make better healthy loving choices mm-hmm. so yeah hmm. what do you think yeah it's it's this is one of those questions for lord of the rings that kind of makes me rethink the universe mm-hmm. you know uh like the universe of middle earth because not our universe not our universe no i've yet to see an orc in our universe so i haven't i haven't thought much about that here but in middle earth i think it's it's interesting because they are as you're talking about kind of seen as just this force of evil and we don't see a lot of agency within that especially in the movies but we do celebrate their deaths you know i think that's looking at gimli and legolas's uh competition about how mm-hmm. many they're killing yeah is very interesting when you see them, yeah, literally having a fun game about how many they can kill. Yeah, if somebody was doing that for hobbits, you'd be like, that is one of the most evil things I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. But then I, that also gets further complicated because in um, the battle outside in Tirith, they're doing the same with the men of the East who are mm-hmm. riding the Oliphants, right? Because, yeah. yeah, you know, and so is that something that we are are also not supposed to be caring about, you know? Because those men are choosing evil, are we supposed to see them the same way that we see the orcs as these things of evil? Because in the books, um, and I think it might even be the extended version of uh, the the movie, but Faramir talks about, you know, what would happen if I met this person outside of war? You know, mm-hmm. this man outside of war. Would we have so much to disagree about? And yet, same movie we have, or next movie, I guess, we have... Uh, yeah, Gimli and Legolas, like, 
counting up how many kills they can get. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very inhuman way of looking at, at that death. Um, Absolutely. And, and I love Gimli and Legolas' characters, Gimli in particular, but like, it makes me have to rethink those characters in those moments um, mm-hmm. now that I've thought about it. It also brings up uh, ideas of the um, latest two Lord of the Rings video games, Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War, where mm. I would like to get more into this if we ever go into per- person or agency, but basically you murder and enslave orcs in order to fight against other orcs. And hmm. I, there's been a lot of really interesting think pieces. I only played the first one, but about both of them, about how it has moral choices and actually just like the gameplay mechanics are about enslaving and killing these these hmm. sentient beings and that's never really uh discussed as part of that game and and that's i think part of lord of the rings as a whole the humanity or personhood of orcs isn't discussed and so the death of those orcs is seen as something that's almost like you're talking about just killing a war or killing you know an inhuman creature well, and, and even killing a warg. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it can kill you, but so can a lion, mm-hmm. right? Do we just want to go around and kill the lions? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at look at Sam's wonder at the Oliphants, you know? Mm-hmm. And yet they would kill all the, the Oliphants because they're tools of war by this other, um, this you know, this invading army. But... Mm-hmm. Just because they're tools doesn't mean that they're not living beings. And I think that's one of the things that Lord of the Rings does not do a good job with. And I think it's not not to say it's a product of its time as an excuse, because I don't think it's an excuse. Can people think differently and humanely regardless of what time they're from? Yes. So it's, but I think it's a reason J.R.R. Tolkien was writing in a very, yeah, a very black and white way of this is the side of good and this is the side of evil and the most that that's ever questioned would be like in the character of Gollum or something mm. like that. So, and and I think, yeah, I think that line from Faramir is great, but it doesn't really take it anywhere. Agreed. In a way that something like Hunger Games does, mm-hmm. right? When we talked about it in the past with the torturing of the the prep team. And it's like, oh, well, these people were doing terrible things. It's like, but does that mean they should be tortured? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we kind of started moving into our missed opportunities, but yeah. <laughs> uh, what's, what's your compelling question? So my compelling question is... I'm wondering, again, this is from the movies. I didn't really realize it wasn't from the books until you were just looking that up before. But when Gandalf's talking about kind of like this afterlife idea and that like there's going to be silver shores and green and all of these beautiful things and death is just one step on this journey. Mm -hmm. And... what do you think about the idea of who goes to this afterlife? Because that's what I was thinking. Do orcs go there? Do, does anybody go there? Do you have to have done good things? Do, or is just everybody going to continue in 
everybody from Middle Earth will continue into the next life mm-hmm. in this like beautiful place, and then what? Just be great. So yeah. that's a really good question. Um, it's interesting because that in the movies is also different than how that's considered in the books and especially in the legendarium with the Silmarillion and things like that because Mm -hmm. what Gandalf like that quote is taken from is taken from Frodo's description of the undying lands Mm -hmm. first in a dream and then on when he's on the boat to go there at the end of of Return of the King and so the undying lands are part of the physical world in some sense Um, or at least they used to be a part of the physical world until um, men tried to take it over, they were taken out, and then it was removed from the physical world. Mm -hmm. But that is still something that is only the quote-unquote afterlife, or really just the final resting place of the elves. Mm -hmm. Whereas men, because they have this gift of death, they are actually able to leave Arda, the the Middle-earth as a whole, um, and go somewhere else. Hmm. That never really describes where, you know, but that is supposed to be this gift of where they'll go next. And so by Gandalf explaining that to Pippin mm-hmm. as what happens after you die in the movies, it makes it seem like everyone goes there, not just mm-hmm. the elves, and that there's no different cha- thing between the men and the elves. Well, but was what he was describing the Grey Havens that where the elves were going? The Undying Lands. The Grey Havens is the, the place oh, the, they the, leave the, from. Oh, the, the port, yeah. right? Okay, so the Undying Lands, like, were those the same things, they right? Are, they're, that's how Frodo describes the Undying Lands in the book. Okay. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a lot of questions. Right, because that was the thing where I was like, well, why did the elves need to go sail away to this place? Mm-hmm. Why don't they just go help fight in the battle, and if they die, they're just going to get there faster, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, no, and, and I think that's, that's very, very interesting, too, because... Um, I think one of the few, like, cosmological visions that we see of death and of afterlife is with Theoden and his son, mm-hmm. Theodrid, when he dies, and they talk about, you know, going to the halls of their ancestors. Mm-hmm. And that's very different from the concepts that are being thrown around by the elves and, and other things that we see, Yeah, which is, uh, I think, very, very interesting. Um, Maybe the hobbits just go the same place the elves do. It's totally possible, but like that, I mean, that goes into the, what are hobbits, you know? (laughs) Um, So, but to get back to your original question, Mm -hmm. um, I think that in Middle Earth, I have not seen any, I don't see any real concept of a a punishing afterlife, Mm -hmm. right? Kind of what what we would consider like a hell. Um, And so I don't think that there's anything that is... um, I, it sounds like there is one afterlife for all the, you know, sentient men-type people. You know, men and hobbits, probably. Not women. Um, thank you for that. Yes, men, women, humans, I should say, and hobbits. Dwarves are something different because they have a completely different foundation um, mm-hmm. where they weren't created by Luvatar, uh, the creator of humans and elves. They were created by one of the the Valar. So they Hmm. have a different kind, like they were created out of stone. So they have a different, whole different cosmology as well, which is (laughs) very, very different. So, um, but when it comes to orcs... How many times did you say different? It's so different. Um, Yeah, and so, but with orcs, I don't think that Tolkien believed that the orcs would have any kind of afterlife. Hey, he left 
a loophole, mm-hmm. and I think some of them are just going to jump right through. <laughs> that works for me. I like I like that you're talking about the idea of of orcs having more choice and agency, mm-hmm. and maybe that they have less of it because maybe they're actually controlled by the ring. Yeah. You know, and so they are. That though there's no none who are able to fight against Sauron, but maybe someone just escaped. You know, some went and tried to live their own lives as far away from Sauron's control as they could. Mm. Who knows? Or who knows what happens to them after Sauron's defeated, you know, and the rings yeah. are gone. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but in my, if I if I was creating a cosmology or a cosmology that I, be- tried, I believe is a just one, I think that if there is an afterlife, then that afterlife should apply to, to all, you know, to any sentient being. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Do you have any other thoughts on no, not really. Okay. I talked a lot there. Sorry. No, that's fine. <laughs> I know you like that. I do. That's true. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing about Tolkien's Legendarium is that I know a good amount, but I also don't know everything. Like, I've mm-hmm. never gone all the way through the Silmarillion. Um, I've dived through some Wikipedia pages quite a bit, but, like, I do, so I know, like, <laughs> concepts, but I don't know the details of a lot of it, which also mm-hmm. makes it more mysterious to me. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it. I think it is interesting that he doesn't lay it out mm-hmm. super clearly because he's so meticulous with so many other aspects of his that world. But maybe it makes more sense this way because people talk about the afterlife as if they know who gets in who doesn't or where they're going or what it's going to be like and just like okay no like (laughs) you don't know you don't know you know you don't know anything Mm -hmm. and it's mystery Mm -hmm. it it, it is so yeah it's interesting yeah but i have a missed opportunity okay what was your missed opportunity with death in lord of the rings so my missed opportunity is actually kind of different. My missed opportunity is that I think that there should have been more death of main characters in mm. Lord of the Rings. And I almost never would say that because I don't want characters that I love to die. Right. But how is it that every single person in the Fellowship made it except Boromir? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Gandalf did die. He just came ish. back. Yeah. So I think I don't want anybody in the Fellowship to die or any other named character or whatnot. But I, I think because of that, like in the Two Towers in the movie, they added in Haldir's death, right? right? Because they need more deaths to happen for it to feel as grave as it is. And with such not only overwhelming odds in these battles oftentimes but also just how dire the so so much of the situations were in terms mm. of they're trekking across places like they only have the certain amount of arrows in their sheaths and like a couple like long knives or, or a sword and just the likelihood that they would all make it I like that they make it, but also at the same time, I think some series where, yeah, it still has a lot of the main, main characters survive. It also has some other very important characters die, and it 
it's tragic, but it's meaningful. Mm. Where I think we miss out on some of those emotions with with the series. Yeah, I see that, and and I think it, it's also interesting because of the three, you know, perceived deaths in the Fellowship, two of them don't take. Right, Gandalf exactly. comes back, mm-hmm. and Frodo comes back. Yeah, and so Boromir is the only one that stays dead, mm-hmm. um, and so we see reactions to both Gandalf and Frodo's perceived mm-hmm. deaths, but um, which I think adds a lot to those characters and, and adds a lot to the story. But end of the day, they're still around. You know, Frodo's obviously um, always going to be affected by his journey and by the the mm-hmm. um, ways he was injured on that journey but he's still Frodo you know he's still he's still around and so it, it's yeah it's a, it's a really interesting point yeah and if you compare it to The Hobbit which is much more of like a children's book mm-hmm. there's several dwarves that die mm-hmm. right in that battle of five armies mm-hmm. And so it's just, yeah, it's very interesting yeah. that in Lord of the Rings, they don't. You don't get that. Yeah. yeah. What What is your missed opportunity? My missed opportunity is that um, in the books in particular, we don't see enough to show how powerful the choice that Arwen makes to stay mm. with Aragorn is. We don't see enough of why they love each other. Yeah. Nor do we see, I think the movie actually does a better job of showing why she chooses to stay mm-hmm. um, and, and actually making her choice be a character moment for her, which you don't see at all in the books because she's just not in it until the very end again. Mm-hmm. But even so, I think that, that, you know, dealing with the seriousness of she is giving up both her, Im- the immortality of the elves and the final resting place of the elves because she becomes yeah. mortal in a way but from what it looks like to me she's not going to go to that final resting place of humans you know that humans mm. go to when they die um and so she's choosing an eternal choice you know and i think that that's that's a very an eternal death in a way and that's something that that um i think it, it shows a lot more in elrond's character um, in the movies in particular, then it shows in her character and the way she's making that choice. And What do you mean it shows more in his character? Because I think until I kind of came to that realization, Elrond, when it comes to her, seems so, like, strict and so, like, uncompromising. And, mm-hmm. like, it's it's almost I'm like... I'm a protective dad. Exactly. It's, it's very much in that kind of trope. And uh, I think that when you look at it through this perspective of like, I'm not just protecting her from pain. I'm protecting her from an eternal, like... Non-existence. Exactly. Um, and that that's such, that's a big deal. And I think that that shows more in why he does the things that he does. Um, but I guess, yeah, I, I just wish there was more to that. I think it's hard mm. when we don't see enough of them together we just see, oh, they're already in love, and they already want to do this, and she already wants to do this, but she also kind of can't, and Elrond doesn't want her to, and like, but between midway through Fellowship towards the end of Return of the King, Arwen only has scenes with Elrond, you know? Mm-hmm. She doesn't have any scenes with anyone else where she can actually discover what's going on in, uh, or, or what, what 
the ramifications of this choice are and why she would make the choices mm-hmm. that she wants to make. Well, yeah, and it's like, does she not have any other friends or loved ones? Mm-hmm. She has a, an, an elven hand person, like, um, who helps out and is like... <laughs> a hand person? Hand person. I was going to say handmade, but he was male, and I don't know if there's a male version of that. Manservant. Manservant, thank you. <laughs> an elven manservant who's like, my lady, we need to keep moving when yeah. she has her vision, mm-hmm. and then she just... And where's her mom? Um, her mom, I don't know what happened to her mom, but her mom is Galadriel's daughter. Yeah, because um, Galadriel's her. So I think she might be in hmm. Lothlorien, um, but <laughs> I'm not like, sure. I like my people better. <laughs> Maybe. But, huh, yeah. Yeah, I I agree because it's it's hard to see the sacrifice she's making. Mm-hmm. Because it it doesn't really portray her life as something she enjoys. Mm-hmm. Like when is when was there ever a time that she smiled? It, unless with Aragorn. Aragorn was there. Yeah. So I think that I mean, not that you'd just be like smiling a ton if you're making this really hard choice and like the world's you know going to hell. But yeah, I think I think they really should have done a lot more there, rather than oh well, he's a respectable man, so <laughs> clearly a woman would give up her immortality and her family and her friends and all of her final existence <laughs> for this, you know, for a handful of years with this dude. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. and. You know, obviously in the movies they, they focus on the child that they'll have as as being the key to her decision. Which also, as you could guess for me, is not a very compelling idea. I know. <laughs> and is, yeah, no, I'm just like, whatever. Well, what about a takeaway for the, the entirety of Death in Lord of the Rings after our discussion? I think my takeaway is to kind of look more critically the next time I watch or read the series looking for clues about things regarding orcs and mm. choices and and how others are interacting with that species and how others are thinking about them mm. yeah yeah what about you um I think my takeaway actually reminds me of of what we we're talking about when we we're talking about agency in Star Wars Mm. with the idea of when Lucas and the creators of Star Wars started going more into the scientific aspects and explaining things about the Force. It just made for more questions about the Force. Mm-hmm. It was no longer just, it's mysterious, you know? Yeah. Now it was partially explained, so you want to you feel like the rest should be explainable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Tolkien kind of has that aspect with fantasy, you know? Tolkien is like what I would almost consider hard fantasy, where he does explain so much. He has so much history and so much theology that he's incorporated into this world he's created that Mm -hmm. it feels like he would have an answer for any question that you give him. (laughs) And that he, when he doesn't include one of those answers in the many, many things he's written and that we've had published by his son since, like, 
it's just a little more infuriating to be like, <laughs> so what does happen to dwarves after they die? Or, you know, where do orcs come from? The fact that there's no firm answer on where orcs come from in his legendarium is just like, it boggles my mind. Didn't I hear, and this may be completely inaccurate, but I thought it was something about, was it something about like a tortured elf? They also mentioned that in the movies. So, is that just a movie thing? In Tolkien's writings, there okay. are a few different ways of that 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 it comes up as a possibility okay. that he mentions like in letters and things, but none of them does he codify as this is exactly what it is. Got One of the possibilities it. is that they're like corrupted elves essentially, or mm-hmm. elves that were tortured or corrupted in some way until they were these fallen creatures. Um, other ones are that yeah they were created that they're created by Morgoth or Sauron and that's why they're so tied to their power and why they um, similarly don't have choice or an afterlife or things like that because hmm. they're they're not part of the original song of creation so there's a few different like things that he kind of float around or, or that he said might be the case like in passing but he never codified it in a published work so we don't know <laughs> cool and so my takeaway is that, especially when it comes to death and when it comes to the afterlife, um, those questions, because some of them are answered, the fact that some aren't becomes much more frustrating and it, it makes the, the vision of Middle-earth seem more incomplete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, we do have a special a special segment today where we have another review. Yay! Yay! Yay, reviewers! <laughs> so on... Apple Boo, Pod- all of you who haven't reviewed. No, I'm kidding. No, thank Slightly. you for listening. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at me with panic. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be mean to them. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> because they tolerate me. Exactly. <laughs> they listen to my words. <laughs> but no, we got a, a customer review on Apple Podcasts that we wanted to read out. Yay! So, uh, Penny.Loves wrote, For anyone who loves books, shows, or films like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and Hunger Games, this podcast allows us to momentarily escape back into the worlds we love that ended too soon. Through thoughtful conversation, Brittany and Chris provide interesting insight into different themes of each geeky property that really make you think. Plus, their chemistry and lighthearted back-and-forth conversations are a delight, easy on the ears, and make you feel like you're sitting at a coffee shop with them discussing all things geeky. Well, we'd love to sit at a coffee shop with you sometime, Penny Dot Loves. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, thank you so much, Susan. That that means a lot. It's so nice to see. It was a yeah. five star review, which always is is great. Get us onto those iTunes charts! Hooray! <laughs> um, but yeah, but no, thank you so much. We really appreciate your feedback and knowing that you're enjoying it. Yeah. Before we close out, why don't we go over what we'll be doing next week? So we're going to be talking about Hunger Games next week, and let's get our topic. Ignorance. Ignorance in the Hunger Games. Ignorance in the Hunger Games. That'll be a good one. And that will be our first... Yeah. Uh, repeat Yeah, topic. repeat theme. Exactly. Yeah. But it'll be very different than Harry Potter. It will. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. Definitely. Oh, there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. Or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor-Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. And until next week, geek geek out. out!